This is Justin Michael Williams, and welcome to the Kingdom Podcast. This is for everyone. All beliefs are welcome here. And so it doesn't matter if you call it God, spirit, the universe, crystal, science, or unicorns. You are welcome here. This is our moment to connect to something greater. This is our moment to remember how powerful we really are. Welcome to the kingdom. We begin each session with a prayer. Let's begin. So go ahead and just place your hands over your heart. Here at the kingdom, we, you can do the traditional kind of prayer mudra, or you can put your hands right over the center of your chest. Just make sure they're not over your throat. And we begin together as we drop into this energetic space. God, spirit, universe, all that is, all that ever has been, and all that ever will be, we thank you for bringing us together. Thank you for bringing this community together from across the world, far and wide, for 44 weeks. Here we are growing and spreading love and positivity. And in a moment in this world where there's so much division, thank you for allowing us to be a beacon of hope where we see that most people are good and that we're here to come together. Today, may each of us receive the exact dose, the exact message that we need in our own lives so that we know where to look in our own lives to find hope, to find positivity, to find motivation, especially when times get tough and especially when we need that extra boost. Thank you for our special guest today. Thank you for allowing us to have these practices that bring us back to remembering who we really are. This is your moment now to welcome in your own personal prayer. I'll be silent for about 60 seconds and you can welcome in your own prayer now. God, spirit, universe, all that is, all that ever has been, and all that ever will be, we thank you. Thank you for protecting us. Thank you for bringing this community together. We are here to serve. So it is, Ashe, Aho, Salam, Amen, Shalom, Satnam, Awen, Om. Thank you. So here we are, family. Here we are. And... I am so grateful to welcome today's special guest. This is a brother of mine who I've known for, gosh, I'm looking at him behind the screen right now, like 12 years, something like that. I think we met in 2008, maybe, something like that, a little while ago. And uh, just very, very grateful to bring this brother here with us today. And I want to formally introduce you to an incredible teacher, a leader, an author, a speaker, helps us find our inner happiness. And his new book called Knowing Where to Look, 108 Daily Doses of Inspiration is available for pre-order now and actually is coming out this week. And so I welcome to the kingdom stage, Mr. Light Watkins. Light, what's up? Brother, good to see you, man. Ah! 
Welcome to the kingdom. Everybody here in the chat box, tell Light what's up. Mm. Put your hands up. It's <laughs> so my first first time here on the stage. I, I'm really inspired by everything you're doing. So thanks for inviting me. And congratulations on, on uh, building this movement. I think it's very important. Oh, man, thank you so much. So, you know, we're here to talk about you today and this book and this <laughs> and the work that you're putting out in the world. But before we even get into that, I would love for people to just hear a little bit about your journey. You know, here they see this beautiful man who's doing all this stuff in the world. And we see all your pictures and we see your Instagram, but like what even brought you to this place light of even being interested in this kind of personal growth practices? Well, I've been very curious about spiritual development uh, since the mid nineties. I was living in New York city. I was uh, working in fashion actually. And I started taking these meditate, these yoga classes. And then through that, I started dabbling in meditation, but my, my initial experiences were very rough, very rocky. Um, I had never been a very flexible person, even, even in yoga. And, uh, so sitting I love that you put that five in, minutes in, in yoga. <laughs> I love the way yeah. you put that. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, just sitting, sitting for five minutes was excruciating for me. And, um, but I, for some reason I kept coming back to the practice. And then when I relocated to LA as New Yorkers do at some point, <laughs> I, uh, I discovered a uh, Vedic meditation. I met a teacher out there who, taught me the, the, the Vedic meditation style. And that completely turned me out and got me really enthusiastic about the practice. And then I kind of had this, well, I didn't kind of have, I had a calling to become a teacher. I just didn't know how it was going to happen. Cause now we're talking 2002, 2003. Yeah. This is before YouTube, before apps, before, you know, I was going to the Beverly Hills library, looking, checking out books on, on uh, metaphysics and and channeling and astral traveling and meditation. And so cut to 2007, I went to India to learn from my teacher who got trained by his Indian teacher in Northern India. Uh, he taught us how to teach meditation in the ancient ways. And then I came back to West Hollywood and I started teaching out of my one bedroom apartment in 2007. I was a full-time meditation teacher back when people's eyes would gloss over when they asked you what you did. And I said, I taught meditation because nobody really had a point of reference for that at that time. And now here we are um, f almost 15 years later and it's this whole thing. And I've written all these books and given all these, I've given over like 500 talks on on wellness and mindfulness and meditation. And I've done retreats all over the world. And so it's just amazing. You know, I never, I never would have imagined that my life was going to go in this direction. And here we are, I'm on this, this, uh, stage with you <laughs> talking about it. And you're an accomplished author and a big presence in this space. And it's just really nice, especially seeing two people who look like us, who are considered to be thought leaders in this yeah. meditation space. So I'm just feeling grateful and honored right now. Well, I'm, it feels very like very full circle to me because, you know, I think when we first met, you know, I remember coming to one of your meditation intro classes, like 2010, I don't know, 2009, like this okay. was a long time ago, you know, <laughs> and, uh, 
like remember seeing like, whoa, there's a black dude who's teaching meditation and this and that. And this was when I was even just like first digging my feet into the practice in that way. I'd been doing yoga. And then I remember just coming full circle. And when I was doing my book proposal and writing the book and they said, well, there's really only one other black guy who has a meditation book. And I, when, before they even said who, I was like, I know, I know who it is, you know, and, <laughs> and it was so amazing, you know, to be here together now doing this and, uh, being able to share with the community and your work is so amazing. Your first, I don't know if this was your first ever, it was not your first book, but the first book, Second book. I had yeah. bliss more, um, mm-hmm. which is just absolutely incredible, you know, meditation book, everybody I recommended highly. And then now the new book, which I'm like, set you. I have the copy. It's just in the United States. Yes. Okay. So of course you have it. And I have to tell <laughs> you, right? Because I got the book, and I just from looking at the picture, I thought I was going to pull something off of the front. I'm sure everybody <laughs> tells you that. I was like, thinking, look, hold it up again. Hold it up again. So look the at peekaboo. Doesn't yeah. the little peekaboo look like you could really grab it? Like, I thought, yeah. I thought that was the thing. So. Yeah. You know, tell me what, in, tell us all what inspired you to write this particular book that's in this format. Cause I think the format's really incredible. Well, what was interesting is when I started writing my last book, the one you just mentioned, Bliss More How to Succeed in Meditation Without Really Trying, that was my second book. And I was nervous about writing it myself. And I was thinking, should I get a ghostwriter? Because I wanted it to be really good, even though I'd already written one book by myself. Um, this was a bigger book. It was for Random House, and I really wanted to do it right. And my agent convinced me to do it myself. And I just was so insecure about my writing that I wanted to practice writing. And so I just to start this daily inspirational email back in June of 2016. So we're coming up on five years. And uh, as a just purely as a way of going to sort of writing gym every day. And it was a hard deadline and it was public. So I had to really put a lot of, of effort into it. And, uh, and so I started writing these things and it turned out people were really resonating with the stories that I was telling and the anecdotes and the observations. And so over the past five years, I've written thousands of them. Um, and I've, I've taken the ones that got the most engagement and I put them together in this, this book. So it's the subtitle is 108 Daily Doses of Inspiration. And they're taken mostly from the emails that I've been sending out. So, you know, and that's just, that's what I'm talking about in the book is following inspiration. Because when I first had that idea, it wasn't to write a book. It was just to practice my writing in order to work on the previous book. I had no idea that this was going to become a book itself, but, you know, I put everything into it and I literally made it a meditation in itself where I would spend an hour or two or sometimes three hours a day thinking about some inspirational story that I had heard and and then trying to like to write it out in a way that felt succinct and, and, and punchy. Well, I think, you know, and so you're putting you're pulling a thread on this that I really wanted to pull that even before we get into some of the content of the book, 
is this practice that you did. And I love Shauna Shapiro has this great quote, who's another incredible med- you know, meditation teacher who I've recommended to everybody. Um, mm-hmm. Her book is called Good Morning, I Love You. And she mm. says, what you practice grows stronger. And I love that here you were, and you called it the writing gym. And so for all the people out there who are like, I want to write, I want to sing, I want to play guitar, I want to do this, I want to do that. And here you go with the daily practice. Did you find, what did you find transformed within you as you committed to this daily practice? Such a good question. Okay, so once I had the idea to do this, I still was like, ah, I can't commit to a daily email that I have to write because I was traveling all around the world, teaching people meditation, leading retreats, you know, oftentimes spending days on, on the road in airports or in remote places without uh, Wi-Fi connection. So it's like, that's a serious situation of painting yourself into a corner to commit to sending out an email by, by 6 a.m. Pacific time every single day indefinitely. So naturally, I postpone, I procrastinated. Yeah. And then, because my main fear was that I was going to miss dates and I didn't want to do that. And then number two, I, was, I feel like I was going to run out of content after a few weeks. I mean, if you think about how many stories do you know you could that you could recite in a succinct way that other people would care about. I mean, it probably comes down to maybe if you're a really good storyteller, maybe a couple dozen stories. Right. <laughs> so I knew for a fact that I was going to run out of stories within a few weeks. But I eventually decided, okay, it's time to take the leap of faith because that's why it's called a leap of faith. You don't know how it's going to turn out. So I just started. I started a week after my birthday that year. And, uh, and you know, when, 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 when is your birthday? May 30th, May, May 30th. 30th. I started, okay. on, We're coming started up on, on June 6th. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. And after three weeks, you know what happened? I ran out of stories. <laughs> my worst fears, my worst fears came to fruition, but something else really interesting happened that I was not expecting by showing up consistently. I found that and having a deadline, I found that an idea would come through me, right? And Elizabeth Gilbert and Stephen Pressfield, they talk about this in, a lot in their writing, this idea of the muse. And the, yeah. mute is, the muse is like feeding you ideas and creativity. And that was exactly my experience. Um, And and it was so liberating because it meant that I didn't have to figure out what I was going to write. I just had to show up to be the transcriber of what was coming through me and then work out the grammar and make sure that it sounded as close to the original inspiration as as, uh, when I sent it out, as it did in my head when I was sitting there, maybe coming out of a meditation or just sitting quietly or just kind of, you know, scouring through the... um, through, through the internet. So that was really relieving. And, and I would say that most of the doses in this book, the ones that were the most impactful were not stories that I previously planned or thought about before I sat down to write. They were stories that came through me. Wow. And, uh, you know, Maya Angelou has this, this saying, she said, you never have to worry about running out of creativity because creativity generates creativity. So all you have to do is just 
commit to the practice and everything you need as a result of that will come through the practice. And so that's what a lot of these doses ended up being about. It's just different 108 ways of saying, just show up, just take the leap of faith and, and, and trust the process. I love that. And I love that you mentioned Stephen Pressfield and also Elizabeth Gilbert, two massive uh, people who we've talked about here on The Kingdom a lot, specifically about creativity and resistance and all of these things. And, you know, I love this concept that you're getting into for those of us who like are thinking about, you know, you said there was the fear, right? That the king mm-hmm. of procrastination and what if this didn't happen? And what if that didn't happen? And finally going to faith and saying, well, why not? Like, why not just try it and see what comes? And then feeling that you tapped into and connected into the source of creativity, which is not you, right? It's this other place that you're allowing yourself to be used. And I think so many of us hear that, but it's a different thing to get it. Like I remember when I sat down to start writing Stay Woke and I'm there on page one, right? I, I don't, I had since college, hadn't written a page paper longer than 10 pages. You know what I mean? And so I sit there and I'm like, how the hell am I going to write this book? You know what I mean? Like, here we are on page one. And I remember by the end of it, I was like, how am I going to fit everything into this book? You know, you're like cutting stuff down and tearing things away and it's too long. And it's just, it all continues to come through by sitting in and being in creativity as a practice, which is one of the big Mm -hmm. things I'm getting from what you just shared with us. You know, I want to go into the... um, the stories a little bit here. So when I knew I was going to be having you on the the show, I pulled up, I opened up some of my favorite parts of the book and was just kind of doing what you recommend in the book, which by the way, these are my favorite kind of books where you can do what I learned. The fancy word is called bibliomancy. The not so fancy word is open the book and pick a random page and just read one page, right. And see what, what comes to you kind of like a divination practice. And, uh, there's one that I opened to that I took a picture of that I really love. And it's called The Thing About Advice. Mm. Thing About Advice. <laughs> and I don't know. I want to I like read it to people or maybe you can read it if you open to the page. Yeah, uh, I'll read it. And then we can talk about it because I think this is really fast, a really good one for people. <laughs> well, the other great thing is I hate being read to, but these are all very short. Yeah. Um, little doses of inspiration. So it's actually not bad. I just have to find which page it's on. Oh, okay. 32. There you go. 32. Okay. So. Is that right? uh, Yeah. 32. Okay. The thing about advice If you have a deep inner calling to try something that has never been done before, something risky, and you ask someone who's never taken a creative or professional risk before what they think about your idea, there's a good chance that they're either going to tell you not to risk it or they're going to warn you about all the reasons why it will likely result in failure. But if you ask someone who's taken a healthy amount of professional or creative risks, there's a much higher probability that they will encourage you to go for it because life is short and why live with the regret of not doing what you feel deeply called to do? 
The real question is, do you want to live a life of being risk averse or one where you are more inclined to listen to and follow your inner guidance, which by nature will lead you off the beaten path? Because the answer to that question will determine whose advice you seek out in the first place. Just take that in, y'all. This, that, <laughs> it's so practical and so good and so short, and it says so much, right? Mm-hmm. Just tell me more about like how that story, you know, why that one made it in the book, why that one's important to us. You know, man, when I when I just read it just now, it's like I didn't even write it. It was almost like someone else who's much wiser than me actually wrote that. <laughs> because that's you're right, it is my stuff too. Literally, same way. It's so succinct, and it's something that's applicable to me all the time. Because I think we've all had that experience where you have this this idea that seems like a you know a, something that's un- implausible, and you run it by your friends. And you already know what they're going to say. You already know they're going to say you're going too far. Or you've lost your mind or what are you thinking? Are you crazy? And you already know who your friends are, who are a little bit more out there. Like I'm one of those people to my, in my friend group. I'm the guy that's going to basically support you in whatever you want to do. I'm going to find a way for you to do it, for you to take the leap of faith. I am never going to say, don't do that. Okay. But I, I, you know, I have a, a my, in my little personal brain trust, I do have people who are a little more conservative, who are a lot more risk averse than me. And I do like hearing their perspective on some of the things that I'm thinking about doing. And usually these are things that haven't fully solidified within me yet. Once something solidifies, I don't ask anybody's advice. I just, I may ask them how I could do it most efficiently, but I'm not going to ask whether they think I should do it or not. And and so there are layers to it, right? You have to get to that first layer where you understand that anything that you're feeling on a deep inner consciousness level that feels unambiguous, you you're, you should do that, right? Um, and so you don't need to ask people's permission of whether you should do it. But if you haven't gotten to that level yet, then yeah, you're probably asking a lot of people's permission. And, uh, and so they're going to tell you basically to do what they would do, which again, if they're risk averse, they're going to tell you probably not to risk it. And if they are a leaper, a leap of faith person, then they're probably going to tell you to do it. And so, if we're being honest with ourselves, which I think is a practice in and of itself, being brutally honest with ourselves, then we already have our answer of what we want to do based on who we ask about what they think. This is so a lot of people don't pay attention to that. Like we think of who we're choosing to go ask in the first place already has like an ulterior motive of what we are honest with ourselves mm-hmm. about what we really think we want. And in our community here, we call like those people who are kind of playing devil's advocate all the time, you know, or I don't know if you should do that, a skeptical friend. This is one of them skeptical mm. friends, like you're calling their risk averse, you know, and who are not sure. And for me, you know, uh, Shelly Tegelski, who's been a, fe- a featured guest on here a lot, she has this amazing quote and she says, there are two types of people in the world. There's the what ifs and the why nots. And she was like, don't be a what if, don't be a what mm. paralyzed in their analysis. Just be a why not. Why not me? 
why not now? Why not us? And just see what happens. And I, I love that, right? Like being a why not. And it, this, this passage really reminded me of that. And I know you live by that, you know? Yeah, man. I mean, you, you try to, I, I'm, I'm still, you know, I'm still human and I still have moments and days where I'm, a, I'm a, I slip into what if, but you know, if you look at the whole body of work, it's definitely more why not than what if. And, uh, and I think it's a progression. I think you start, we all start in what if, because that's the, that's our social conditioning. Most of us did not have parents who, you know, encouraged us to take big leaps of faith without knowing how it was going to turn out. And it's not because they were trying to hold us back. They just were concerned, but they didn't want us to get our feelings hurt. They didn't want us to set unrealistic expectations, knowing how cruel the world can truly be. And so a lot of our early adult years really is about uh, deconstructing that and reconditioning ourselves to, to be able to access our full potential. And that's, that's really the, the importance of consistent inner work. Yeah. You know, it can't be something that you treat like a hobby or that you do sporadically. If you really want to see through the veil of that conditioning, if you really want to be honest with yourself, you have to dedicate, you have to treat it like it's like it's Apple stock in 1980. And you have to like be enthusiastic about doing it and investing in it and learning all about the market and how these different, you know, aspects of it work so that you can optimize your investments for long-term dividends. That's beautiful. I love that. I love that very practical metaphor. You know, there is, what what I love about this book, Light, is first of all, just how easy and practical it is to use, especially for people who are busy and, and don't have time to read a whole bunch. Really, you can just open to a page and read a short passage. And some of them are a few pages long. And there was one in particular that I would love for you to talk about. And this one's longer then would make sense for us to actually read. But it's uh, the one on page 177 about uh, the value of nothing. And mm. amazing <laughs> tell and talk about. And you start with this Oscar Wilde quote that says, a cynic is a man who knows the price of everything and the value of nothing. And then there's an amazing mm. share with us. Yeah, it's a story about my decision to to take the leap of faith in, in becoming trained as a meditation teacher, which was at the time I was teaching yoga and I was also embroiled in this, this uh, Ponzi scheme and the housing market was collapsing. And I was, I was caught up in all of that. I had lost my shirt and my pants and my underwear and all of that. So I was clawing my way out of bankruptcy and there was this meditation teacher training, which I told, which I said earlier was I identified as my calling to become a teacher in this particular path. And so it was presented to come to India, but I needed to pay my way there. And it was a three month long training and the whole thing was going to cost like $14,000. And I didn't have $14,000. I didn't even have a thousand dollars. Right. As here in the book, you were making at that time, $800 a week. You know, a week. Yeah. And, and (laughs) right. And it was, it was going out as quickly as it was coming in. Yeah. And so, um, I got this random or maybe it wasn't random, but I got this, this, uh, one of those sort of junk mail offers that people would get, um, back in those days saying that I could, I could borrow, I think it was like, 
$14,000 from some credit card and it was 0% interest for, I think, 12 months or 18 months or something. It was one of those offers that I just, I normally would not have even considered, right? Because once the interest kicks in, it's like something crazy. It's like 30% interest. And uh, if you don't have a way of paying the money back, then you just screwed. So I had clawed my way out of uh, debt up until the real estate thing happened. And, and when all that crashed, then I found myself back in, in debt again. And so, yeah, I, I, I saw that as a, actually as a sign from the universe, um, that this was going to be the means that I would use to pay for my training. It was, it was exactly the amount that I needed. It, it came exactly at the time that I needed to pay it, which was, I think, two days after I got that little flyer in the mail. And so the whole thing worked out. Next thing you know, I'm in India and I'm learning how to teach meditation. And I came back after three months and I started teaching meditation and I ended up paying all of that back within a few months and it was all fine. Right. And the point of the story was if I had listened to the sort of financial guru advice, which is very good advice, very practical advice, right? Never put yourself further in debt, stay away from credit cards. Everything should be cash. You know, the whole thing. I'm a big fan of Dave Ramsey and all the stuff that he talks about. But if I had listened to that, if I let that override what I was feeling in my heart, I would not have had the experience of going to India and learning how to train people in meditation. I would not have had, I wouldn't have enjoyed the satisfaction, the fulfillment of helping people become self-sufficient meditators, thousands of people. I would not have written that book, Bliss More, when I wrote it and, and, and you know, written it from a, a, the front lines of, of, of knowing what it's like to struggle and, and then to, to help people stop struggling in meditation I wouldn't have given a TED talk. I wouldn't have, I probably wouldn't be here on this call with you, you know? And, and so we obviously will never know what would have happened had we not taken the leap. But I wrapped that story up saying that I probably would have been telling the story of how I saved $14,000 all these, all those years ago, how I wasn't tricked into doing, you know, into falling deeper into debt. So that we, we're, we're going to find a story to justify whatever we do, but that does not equate to fulfillment, right? I don't, I don't know anybody who's been fulfilled in their, deep in their spirit from saving money no. or from playing it safe, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it, that fulfillment comes from, from listening to what you're feeling inside, in your heart, taking that leap, believing in yourself, and when that net appears, it's like the most beautiful experience that you can ever have. It's, it's more serene and supreme than any drug, any alcohol, any, anything that you can, you can experience. And it can become a practice in and of itself, which means it becomes easier to do it the next time and the next time and the next time. So, wow. so that's what that story was all about. Uh, this is so great. And, you know, I think about the lesson that you're giving here of, really one of the biggest benefits of practice to me is, you know, and there's all the scientific benefits in this and that is being able to access that place within you where you know the answer, even when Mm. it is 
getting told to you otherwise. It's interesting that both of these stories kind of connect in the same place, right? Of what is really your real desire? What is it that you really want? Like our guest Vanessa in asked us a few weeks ago, what do you, what do you really want? And like hearing the financial guru's advice, but one of my like biggest beliefs is that the real point of any of these practices is to, is to really recognize the gurus within you and to know how to access that. And this seems like a real big practice of that. And thank God you went <laughs> and did that, you know, cause here we are, here we are. Yeah. Oh yeah. man. So, you know, I would love as we, as we lean into the end of our session here to, uh, first of all, ask if there's anything in particular that I didn't ask that you want to make sure that you, that you talk to our people about, but then also to guide us through just a short practice that would help us anchor into ourselves and give us kind of an action and actionable takeaway that, that we can use in our lives. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm really enjoying the quality of your questions. I think it's really more about quality than quantity. So I appreciate you. I appreciate you for, for actually going through the book. You know, you go on a lot of people's interviews and you could tell they haven't even actually opened the book. <laughs> so thank you for that. And I'm really glad that you enjoyed it. And yeah, I'd be happy to, to lead a little practice. Cool. If, uh, if right. you guys are open to that. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. Cool. So, so I'm, I'm going to keep my eyes open so I can make sure that everything technically is, is I'll, I'll be the you know, seamless. So I'll have my, yeah. <laughs> okay. So then if you're in a, a safe place uh, to close your eyes, I invite you to close your eyes. Otherwise, if you want to just have a soft gaze, maybe staring down, you can do that as well. And if you're in a place to sit then I invite you to sit comfortably, which means that it's perfectly okay to have, back support and you don't need to have your legs crossed or anything like that. Okay. So just to relax the nervous system, we're going to start with taking three nice, big, deep inhales and then exhales through the nose or the mouth, whichever one is the clearest. So take your deep breath in, pause at the top for just a moment and then exhale all the air out. Amazing. Let's do that again. Deepest breath in. Hold it at the top and then release. Nice. Pause for just a beat at the bottom. And then one more time. Deep breath in. And let it go. And with that exhale, I want you to let go of any unnecessary tension that you might be holding anywhere in your body. So maybe just doing a quick little body scan, starting with your feet and working your way up through your calf muscles and your thighs and relax all of that. And then working your way up through your stomach, your torso and relax that down your arms and into your hands and fingers. Make sure those are all relaxed. And then shoulders, that's a big one. I want you to relax your shoulders. I want you to relax your neck. And then getting into the head and the face. So any tension you might be holding onto in your brows, in your jaw, in your tongue, in your eyes, I want you to relax that. And if you have to take a few more 
deeper breaths uh, to facilitate that relaxation process, feel free to do that. Otherwise, you're invited to just breathe completely naturally. And so in most cases, at this point, you're left with just your thoughts. Your body should not be very much of a distraction if you're sitting in a very relaxed and comfortable way. But your thoughts may seem pretty loud, and that's actually quite natural and normal, okay? And what we're going to do is we're not going to try to stop the thoughts. We're not going to witness the thoughts. We're not going to let go of anything. All we're going to do here is we're going to gradually begin to shift our attitude away from an antagonistic attitude around our busy mind and towards a protagonistic attitude. In other words, instead of seeing the mind as the enemy, we are going to see the mind as the hero, a beautiful hero that has been serving us for our entire lives, mostly without any sort of appreciation. <laughs> and it's a very thankless job to be a mind and to have these thoughts. And so we want to just dedicate a few moments here in this practice to appreciating the mind, to appreciating its willingness to help us navigate life, to figure things out, to present us with multiple options, to help us make sure that we're safe, to help us understand our role in relationship to our experience and all of the other things that the mind does on a moment-to-moment -moment basis. It does this something like 60,000 plus times a day, sending us impulses of energy and information. And while our tendency in meditation practices is to resist the mind, we are going to be going the other way with it for this particular practice. And we're going to embrace the mind. We're going to rejoice the mind. We're going to celebrate the mind. And what we might find through that shift in our attitude around the mind being worthy of celebration is the mind enjoys being appreciated so much that it will just begin to gradually, incrementally, and naturally become more and more settled. So we end up getting exactly what we wanted when we resist the temptation to reject our beautiful mind. And so as we continue to breathe naturally, as we continue to sit comfortably, and as we continue to experience the phenomenon that is the thinking mind, and as we celebrate that phenomenon, just feel yourself becoming more and more immersed in this present moment where nothing has to be wrong, right? We don't have to judge anything as inappropriate when it comes to our mind. We can just be with it in the same way that if you were a flower or a butterfly or 
the branch of a tree in the middle of a forest. You're just being with all of it. And it's all symbiotic and it's all connected and it all feeds into one another and it's all beautiful. And one is not necessarily better or worse than anything else. It's just all a part of the process, the seasonal process of the play and display of nature's intelligence. So we're just going to sit here for about 10 seconds in complete silence, external silence, and just enjoy this presence and just enjoy this connectedness to our mind and our body and the moment and all the things that are happening around us. And then I want everybody to take another deep breath in. Pause at the top and then let it out. And in your own sweet time, gradually begin to open your eyes and bring yourself out. Mm. I needed that. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Yes. Yes. And really, man, that's all, that's all that we need on a daily basis is just, you know, five minutes of just sitting down, take a few deep clearing breaths and just be with whatever you're experiencing, right? Forget about trying to force anything to happen and just practice, practice the second part of what we are. We have the human part down, but we tend to be lacking a little bit in the being aspect. We can do the human thing you know, look at the news. It's all human, humanity, humanness, doing, 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 right? This human is fighting that human. This group of humans doesn't like that group of humans. But what about the being aspect? We can't leave out the being part. And that requires more diligent practice because we've been neglecting it. If we're being honest, we've been neglecting that aspect of ourselves for a very long time. But once we once we cultivate that beingness, it, it's, it informs our ability to optimize our humanity yeah. so that we become the person who's the, the voice of, of connection in the room, the unity voice. And, you know, the world just so desperately needs more people like that who are willing to reach out and, and connect with other people who who may be deemed by society to be scary or, you know, uninformed or whatever judgment we've placed upon them. So yeah. it's our obligation as citizens of the world and the universe to, to make this practice a, a commitment, a daily commitment. I love this optimizing in that way. It's just so powerful. Like, I want to thank you for coming and joining us on the kingdom. I want to congratulate you this week leading into your birthday week on the new book everybody you can go order lights new book hold it up again where to look <laughs> this beautiful book pre-order it order it whenever you're watching this an incredible book that will help guide you back home to yourself light thank you so much for being with us you can learn more about light at lightwatkins.com easy to find just search his name easy easiest person to google ever <laughs> and, and thanks brother thank you thank you thank you and all of you i want to thank you so much for joining us 
here at the kingdom. It is an honor and a privilege to be with you always. I know we're having a little bit shorter of a session than we normally have right now, but it is the middle of the night here in Indonesia and I need to go to bed. So I love you all so much. I'm so grateful to be with you. And this is Justin Michael Williams signing out and I'll meet you right here in a special place the next time we're together. Bye for now, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Kingdom Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love for you to rate it or subscribe. But most importantly, to send this episode to a friend or to someone you love. The only way we're going to see change in this world is by each of us spreading messages of hope into the corners of the world where only you can reach. So send this today to someone who needs it. I'm sure they'll thank you for it. This is Justin Michael Williams signing out. I love you. And I'll meet you right here in this special place in our next episode where we rise together. This is your moment, baby.